NPR. This is the Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Waylon Wong here to kick off your weekend right with Indicators of the Week. It is officially the weekend. Yay! So, hello, Darian Woods. Hey, hey. And we've also got special guest Mary Childs all the way from Planet Money. Mary! Mary, Yay! Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Hi. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about Mark Zuckerberg's new Twitter-like app, Threads. And we're also going to look at the NASDAQ and what it's doing behind the scenes, which might tell you something about where the economy is heading. We're also going to look at Bank of America, which is in the dog box at the moment. The dog box. That's all after the break. (laughs) This message comes from NPR sponsor American Express. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This advertisement comes from our paid sponsor, Fundrise. High interest rates mean that real estate assets are available at a discount compared to previous valuations. The Fundrise flagship fund plans to expand its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. Add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio at fundrise.com indicator. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the fund before investing. Read the prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. All right, Indicators of the Week, Mary Childs, start us off. Okay, for my indicator this week, I picked maybe the most obvious one, the one that everyone was talking about, 100 million. It is how many users started using Threads, Meta's Twitter-esque platform, in its first week, which makes it the fastest adopted app in history. Just as a quick aside, uh, out of respect for for me and you, I'm not going to call them Meta from here on out. I'm going to say Facebook. Good call. Fair enough. Yeah, like, we know what it is. Okay. And I'll just say, too, like, as someone who has been trying to ramp down my accidental disclosures to Mark Zuckerberg, I did find the rapid adoption really surprising. I thought we were all on the same page about privacy and elections and Facebook overreach, and I was wrong. No, people love the Zuck. I joined Threads. I would not say that it was out of a deep abiding love for Mark Zuckerberg. Really? I mean, for me, it was that Twitter had really become quite unusable. It seemed like it was capturing a lot of the good energy of Twitter without a lot of the annoyance. Well, what a perfect way into the explanation for why this app has been so successful. Everyone feels like you. Okay, not everyone. (laughs) A lot of Twitter users have been watching the site degrade. You know, Elon Musk has slash staff and the site sort of doesn't work sometimes. Or, you know, Elon Musk is also sending kind of upsetting tweets. So it was starting to get actually quite difficult to use Twitter. And just like you, people were actively looking for a replacement. Enter threads. Another part of its success is that it's super easy to sign up and you can very easily advertise yourself to your Instagram followers because that's also owned by Facebook. The other Twitter alternatives like Mastodon or Post or Blue Sky, a little bit harder. I tried to sign up for Mastodon and I actually don't know if I succeeded. I am on Blue Sky, but I don't really understand the vibe, so I don't post very much. I'll follow you on Blue Sky. 
Yeah, come on over. I'll send you an invite. I don't know if this part is attractive or repellent, but Facebook is saying that they're going to de-emphasize news on the platform. Executive Adam Masseri posted that they will not be encouraging hard news in politics. So it can be a friendly shelter from the travails and toxicity of other social media platforms. Don't talk about work or politics at the dinner table, nor on threads. Yeah. You know what's so interesting, though, is I decided to kind of start fresh on threads. And so instead of just auto-following all of my Instagram friends, I decided I would just look for a bunch of economists to follow. And so when the jobs numbers came out, when the CPI numbers came out, then my whole feed did actually feel very newsy. Oh, no. Um, and so, I don't know, maybe Adam Masseri will come and shut everything down because this goes against what he's trying to build. But, stop you it. know, stop talking, you guys. <laughs> I'd like to see him stop the CPI hot takes coming through. They're coming through. Um, also, this is in many ways classic Facebook behavior. They, as you probably know, love to crush competition by either acquiring it or just copying it. Um, You know, I don't know what the antitrust story here is, but Twitter has threatened to sue over copyright infringement, and they sent Meta a legal letter. Mm. A legal letter? A legal letter. That sounds dangerous. I'm sorry for saying Meta just now. I was going to call you out about that. (laughs) You should. uh... You should. Keep me honest. (laughs) All right, so I feel like we could talk for many more minutes about threads, but we're going to move on to Darian's indicator. Darian, what do you have? So I'm also focused on tech companies, uh, and in particular... The Nasdaq, and and this is this tech-heavy stock exchange, the second biggest in America. And my indicator relates to a big switch that is happening this month. The Nasdaq 100 index is about to change its mix of shares. Ooh, change the mix, (laughs) mix it up. I'm getting pretty excited right now, (laughs) but uh, this is a big deal. So first a primer on the NASDAQ index, what it is. It's essentially a way to invest in a range of companies listed on the NASDAQ stock exchange rather than trying to invest in individual companies. And this also reduces your risk as an investor. So I don't know if everybody out in the world is shifting from laptops to tablets, you want to be you know, hedged for that. You might have some companies that just make laptops and some that are more focused on tablet manufacturing and you're kind of insured wherever the market goes. Yeah, it's like don't put all your eggs into one basket, right? That is the principle of diversification. Yeah. And the NASDAQ 100 is moderately diversified. It's made out of 100 companies, but just five tech companies totally dominate the NASDAQ 100 because they're worth so much. Those companies are Microsoft, Apple, NVIDIA, Amazon, and Tesla. These companies make up 44% of the NASDAQ's value. So that is my indicator of the week, 44%. When you invest in the NASDAQ, just under half of what you're investing in is the prospects of just these few tech companies. So it's like you're putting all your eggs in the big tech basket, not so diversified. Not really diversified at all. And so that's why NASDAQ announced recently that it was doing a special rebalancing, putting less emphasis on shares from those big tech companies. These companies were looking like they could mean that NASDAQ would breach these rules that were set by the Securities and Exchange Commission. And the rule is that large companies' total weighting of these type of indices can't exceed 48%. So that 44% was getting too close to that 48% boundary, basically. Okay, so what does this tell us? To me, this kind of just reminds me of how top-heavy the American business scene has become. A lot of the big gains in the stock market for the first half of the year came from companies linked to artificial intelligence, companies like Microsoft and NVIDIA, who make the chips for artificial intelligence. These are companies where investors are hoping there'll be big money to be made in future years. We'll see. We'll see. Speaking of big money, Waylon, 
Do you have some big money to talk about? Oh, yeah. So my indicator is $90 million. That is the size of the penalty that Bank of America has to pay the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau for three different violations. The CFPB said this week that Bank of America charged its customers junk fees, withheld credit card rewards, and opened unauthorized accounts using people's credit reports. Some of this behavior goes back as far as 2012. This reminds me a lot of the Wells Fargo scandal. That's right. Bank of America is not the first bank to get penalized for opening unauthorized customer accounts. And in both cases, Wells Fargo and Bank of America, if you look at what the government says, it seems like employees at both places were under pressure to meet certain sales goals. So at Bank of America, for example, they would take information from people's credit reports without permission and open credit card accounts. What? And then there's the fee thing. The CFPB says Bank of America would charge a $35 fee for a decline transaction, but then it would do that more than once for the same transaction. No. <laughs> the government says the bank generated hundreds of millions of dollars from charging these multiple fees over about a three-year period. I would be angry if I were a Bank of America customer. Well, I reached out to Bank of America. A spokesman there said that the company overhauled some of its fees last year, so it no longer charges that $35 fee for a decline transaction, and it reduced its overdraft fee, which is a separate charge. And so Bank of America says as a result of these changes, its revenue from the fees has fallen over 90 percent. Oh, no. (laughs) Poor bank. I feel terrible for that bank. But how are the customers doing? Mary, you just have such a big heart. (laughs) I really admire you. (laughs) I do. I feel for them. I do. For everyone. Well, Bank of America has been ordered to pay $80 million directly to customers for these junk fees. And then it has to pay an additional $90 million in penalties to the CFPB for all the violations. That money will go into a dedicated fund for compensating consumers. But it does make you wonder if the refunds plus the penalties still add up to less than the revenue they made on the junk fees alone. Right. It's kind of like, is this just a little ding? It's the cost of doing business. Okay, I have learned a lot about this week. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, yeah. Come back anytime, all the time. This episode was produced by Julia Ritchie with engineering by Catherine Silva. It was fact-checked by Sarah Juarez. BLA is a senior producer, and Kate Kennan edits the show. The Indicator is a production of NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Humana. Employees are the heartbeat of your business. That's why Humana offers group dental, vision, life, and disability plans designed to protect them. Exceptional service, broad networks, and modern benefits. That's the power of human care. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com NPR. When voters talk during an election season, we listen. We ask questions, we follow up, and we bring you along to hear what we learned. Get closer to the issues, the people, and your vote at the NPR Elections Hub. Visit npr.org slash elections.